Hey guys, welcome back to Dr. Z, A World Never Mentioned. And guess what? Y'all should be excited today because we are going to have another engaging interview. And this time, continuing on from our previous episode, it will be pertaining to the region of the Middle East and North Africa. So all the way from the United Arab Emirates, introducing my uncle, Khalid. If you're wondering, Khalid is married to my mom's cousin sister, and I fondly call him Khalid Cup, just like my mom does. Where Ika in my mother tongue Malayalam is a reference out of respect to an older male. Kalidka is an IT specialist who retired into farming. Now, isn't that quite an odd transition? After both of his kids graduated and moved on to college, he found a spice farm in India and he decided to attend a permacultural design program, which made him fall in love with agriculture and farming. He has a passion to learn and share knowledge, loves to explore new paths, and that kind of makes him really good for this podcast. So, Assalamualaikum Kalka, welcome to my podcast. How have you been? Great, great. How are you, Zeno? I'm fine. I've been doing well. Uh just started online schooling, so that's quite an adjustment and social connection really is not the same, but luckily there's been cricket, so that's been my stress buster during this pandemic and we just finished our national tournament last weekend. Yeah, I guess that this let's say pandemic really uh, give tough time to everyone, not only you. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. So, let's get started, shall we? First tell me a little bit about where you're from and what kind of lifestyle did you have going up? Oh, uh I am from Jordan. It's a small country in the Middle East. Population is about a little bit about 10 millions. Uh, area is, let's say, uh, Mediterranean climate zone. So basically, uh, lots of, let's say, uh, perennials like maybe uh, we grow lots of, let's say, olives, for example. We grow uh, almonds, uh, lots of fruits as a as a growth. Uh, country is a little bit let's say economically depends a lot on uh, tourism it's a it has got mm-hmm. very nice spots of tourism like petra or the dead sea which is let's say a lowest point in the on 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 let's say dart basically oh yeah mm-hmm. all right so uh, uh rest of that let's say myself i grew up in a simple family like a working class family we mm-hmm. uh, tend to let's say in jordan have quite large uh, families like myself i'm coming out of let's say a 10 people total mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and oh wow okay. yeah um, that's an average but nowadays most probably people just slow it down so you can consider average about 5 uh in yeah. in general uh usually uh, because of economical status of jordan families tend to let's say focus a lot on educations to send one of their let's say kids at least or two of them for a decent college and decent educations that he might help if he goes abroad or uh, let's say uh, assist the family support as much as possible so social depend socially we depend a lot on this family let's say uh, tie up and uh, relation so there is there is no individual like like you can get feel that okay oh i i'll make it on my own and I'll just go somewhere out that doesn't work that way so you are always mm-hmm. tied up with your family 
and your siblings and so on. So we are quite close, close family type of relations. Uh, youth over there, including myself, dreams a lot on, let's say, coming out from that particular area with a dream, let's say, scope, going to a country like States or Europe or any other places just for the sake of uh, making a living if they can or support the family back. Uh, some, most of us, most of us, and most of them, they once they reach, let's say, outside their home country, they'll end up with, let's say, struggling with fitting in. This is something which I felt it among most of, let's say, the, the people from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, once they go up in Europe or any other places, in, including the United States, they find it difficult to fit in uh, for so oh, many okay. reasons. Uh, simply maybe difference of culture, difference of the way how they are uh, interpreting life oh, yeah. and the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Other than that, uh, yeah, life is pretty, let's say, smooth and nice. Uh, climate mm -hmm. is excellent and people really are welcoming and warm people. I don't know uh, if you have been mm -hmm. uh, in, in that part of the world in your life. Basically, let's say uh, there is not big difference between them and uh, slight, let's say, uh, here and there, small differences, basically because mm -hmm. structure and, and social structures, it's, it makes the difference. For example, Saudi Arabia and, let's say, all the GCC countries, they are sheikdoms, while Jordan is a kingdom and uh, still has got some kind of a tribal uh, atmosphere, in particularly Jordan. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they are kind of a tribal type of a people. We do uh, value a lot, let's say, the uh, elderly people who are, let's say, in control. Basically, uh, you might reach at any age, but you still have to report back to your, let's say, like the head of the family or something like that. So that's how oh, this yeah. looks like. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I really like how you emphasize the importance of family in Arabian culture, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, uh, for me, uh, family is stands first before even my personal, uh, uh, like, if you'll scale it, which is priority, family family mm -hmm. always goes first. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So moving on to our next question. Where all in the region of the Middle East and North Africa have you traveled and how were your experiences? Oh, uh, I've been most of, let's say, the GCC countries like uh, Qatar, Oman, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, uh, mm -hmm. UAE, of course. I have spent most of my life in UAE, uh, Syria, neighboring uh, Lebanon and uh, like uh, Turkey, if you can consider part of the Middle East. Uh, mm -hmm. Then uh, last last uh, visit that I, which is a very interesting country, was Yemen. Actually, uh, this was one oh, yeah. of the one of the really uh, special experience that I came across it, simply because uh, that location or that country, though uh, lots of let's say media is showing it in a, in a battle and in a, in a different let's say uh, view, but it's still astonishingly living an old tradition. Like the moment I stepped in in that country, I felt that I just zoomed back a hundred years. Like, it, oh yeah, you, you, you wouldn't imagine it. And uh, they have got a couple of cities. Uh, one of them called Seon, where they have got a UNESCO heritage city. It's a full full city which is built up out of let's say adobe. Uh, that that's a mud, let's say walls and mud bricks, 
uh, and the multi-story buildings. And the interesting part about it is not only just like, okay, uh, something that to go and visit as a tourist. No, people actually are living in that area. It's a market. Uh, you move around in old, old style, old traditions. And it's, it's an astonishing oh, wow. uh, let's say, experience to know that some something like that still exists. They've got such a huge and tall minars, and all of it is made out of let's say, simply mud and hay uh, bricks and build up in that way. So they have got uh, an excellent techniques in that area. Uh, people are very simple and, let's say, welcoming. They have got lots of tribal uh, issues, uh, social uh, differences and so on. But just like any other places in the Middle East, uh, issues related to, let's say, uh, you have to be careful when you uh, interact with them. The moment they are willing sure. to open up, uh, the moment they are willing to open up for you and treat you not as a strangers and you manage to listen to uh, click in, then you will see a totally different world and they are extremely welcoming people. Very excellent experience. You should try it, try it once, let's say things cool off. And if you get a chance to see that Sion, it's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Kodka. Once I start earning, I'll be nonstop traveling to all these places that I mentioned in my podcast and even some of the places that you've mentioned just now. And I'm really glad that you mentioned Yemen, especially with the humanitarian crisis that they've been going through. See, uh, uh, when you look at what is uh, placed at media most of the time, yeah, people definitely, I I'm talking about it's crises are all over places, not only in that area or that part of the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, most of the places, are, they have got crises. But interesting enough, humans and people are so resilient. So they still can share simple uh, food that they have got and you can imagine that though all of this much of uh, battles and clashes among different parts of political let's say uh, parties but common people individuals that you have to deal with they are extremely nice and simple people it's a lovely uh, experience that I wish that everybody can, can, share, can have Exactly. So our next question would be, if there's anything that anyone should know about the Middle East and North Africa region, what should it be? The media definitely tends to distort its image for public gain. So hopefully you would be able to clarify the doubts in people's minds. Actually, this this question is quite, let's say, um, deeper than, let's say, could be answered by, okay, double check your facts. Uh, go back and uh, verify the sources of oh, yeah, information sure. yeah. from multiple places and this and that. It's, it's yeah, This is, everybody knows that you should do that. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, we tend all the time to, let's say, feel, look at things from a superficial, let's say, perspective and uh, look, okay, oh, it's not our problem. These people are, I don't know uh, what they are doing. You know, like, why do we feel superiors? This is some, sometimes it's, let's say, uh, uh, any, uh, giving you the wrong perspective always when you just feel that you are far away. You, we, we forgot that actually all of us are human. We are born our, out of mother wombs. We bleed the same. Mm -hmm. We feel the same pain. We feel hungry. We cry. But let's say uh, there is no really something that makes you special or makes me special than others. Now, what happens that so many, so many like individuals, they tend to 
just general label everybody or say keep a cap on that this place or that place, just like a one uh, single generalizations, which doesn't really uh, give a fair deal to everyone. So Middle East has been projected and even Africa, that, oh, these are the people which are always under war. They'll kill each other. They'll bombing each other, and they are in trouble. But when you dig deep behind all of this, uh, you are talking about human being populations, which are just like me and you and anybody else. They have got families. They are trying to For meet sure. their, uh, their, at the end of the day and their own livings. And whatever is exposed via media is nothing more than an image that somebody with an agenda that he would like you to see it uh, put fear in your heart simply because uh, he wants to project a picture for you about this place or that place. You can give him a support for whatever he's doing or not uh, based on his agenda, political agenda or other any other agenda. Always I would like every oh, yeah. human being to just go back and understand that these are human beings just like me and you and anybody else. They've got their own families. They've got the same worries because we are all human beings. So don't, let's say, take whatever you see for a fact. Go back and study a little bit about it and try to make up your own judgment, but be unbiased about it. That's what I would like to everybody. Got it. Yep. Awesome message. I'm really glad that you clarified all these facts for us. And as I've even mentioned in my previous episode, the region does seem to have that negative image portrayed by news outlets, even though there is a hidden, beautiful culture with great people just like yourself. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. So our next question and my favorite question is, what are some of your favorite Arabic or Middle Eastern delicacies? Now, hold on. I know for one thing about you is that, unlike me, you're not so fond of extremely spicy food, right? All uh, right. First, I, I, I'll just let's say answer this in, in two ways. It depends on who is a, a vegetarian and non-vegetarian, guys. Because simply, uh, if you go for the standard classical, let's say, food which is available here and there in different places, uh, so many people, they know Mansaf, they know this, that, which is typical Jordanian. I would like to give you two different dishes from my home, my, like my mom type of uh, cooking, which is oh, I'm yeah. missing it as much as possible. So for people who uh, loves uh, vegetarian only uh, or they, they are non, like non-meat eaters in principle, we've got... Uh, two dishes. One of, the, of them is called mujaddar. It's nothing more than some dal and some rice mixed together and boiled, prepared. That 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 dish, most of the common people, like uh, middle class people, this is a very stable food that they are enjoying it a lot. And besides, some some salad. Just whenever you get a chance, check out mujaddara. That will be, let's say, something which is interested, interesting for you. And one more, let's say, dish which is awesome. Uh, in spring in Jordan, after, let's say, a really cold uh, winter and, let's say, sometimes freezing, people go to, let's say, hilly areas and collect something called a kub. It's some, some kind of, let's say, roots that comes up only in spring at that time. And it's wild. You don't cultivate it as such in a farm or something like that. So 
We go and just uh, yeah. co collect all of that and go back and uh, mom makes an excellent dishes after it, uh, which is, let's say, steel fry type, Chinese style of a steel fry, type, uh, steel, fry uh, steel fry out of that. And that's, again, one of the, my, my favorites. For the guys who loves meat, I don't know, are you a vegetarian or none? Oh, definitely not vegetarian. I'm a huge meat lover. Then uh, what do you prefer, chicken or let's say uh, what mutton or what kind? Of, which is your favorite? I mean, I'm pretty fond of all meats, especially chicken and lamb. But more than that, I'm also a huge seafood lover as well. So basically, anything non-veg does work for me. Okay, uh, we have got one more dish that I'll share with you. It's called musakhan. Uh, it's typically mm -hmm. uh, lots of oil in that. Uh, it's layers of bread. Uh, that has been this soaked in uh, meat, like meat juice or let's say chicken juice that after it has been boiled and uh, fried basically and uh, baked or cooked in let's say an oven in layers with let's say some spices uh, typical our own spices like uh, something called sumac if you came across it and some lots of onions this is my son's favorite as well so they basically oh wow layer lots of let's say bread uh, the, the larger ones in the tray and let's say they uh, keep between the layers onions and the uh, all of the spices then on the top of that they'll keep let's say decorations with let's say some almonds pine let's say uh, uh, seeds and the, the, the chicken and they fry that one or oh, oh, they'll bake that one actually in the oven it's an awesome dish that you cannot let's say really uh, skip it it's it's, it's beautiful so if you get a chance, it's musakhan called. Kalka, if I'm being quite honest there, you're making my mouth water. I mean, all of that sounds delicious. I'm especially glad that you brought up musakhan because I did bring that up in my previous episode. But just hearing you describe all those elements and layers, it just sounds so delicious. And next time, I'm def whenever I meet you, you're definitely making that for me, right? Wow. Uh, you, you need to come and visit me in Jordan. You need to come and visit me in Jordan. My sister, now my mom is not anymore there, okay. but my sister is doing an excellent one. So definitely will do that. Okay. For sure, Kalka. And I'm really glad that you talked about all these foods because they sound absolutely delicious and even exotic. So we'll be moving on to our next question, which is actually about festivals. So what are some of the festivals that you celebrate? And are there any common traditions or sites during the month of Ramadan or during Eid? Okay, uh, basically we celebrate two two major let's say occasions. That will be uh, Eid al-Fitr, which is after Ramadan. Mm -hmm. uh, Ramadan, since that mass majority of let's say Jordanians are Muslims, though we have got almost twenty five percent Christians in the country. But uh, let's say uh, since that uh, most of the celebrations among people would be uh, Muslims celebrations slash, of course, the Christmas and other stuff. But let's say being Muslims, uh, we celebrate Eid al-Fitr, that's after Ramadan. And we celebrate, let's say, Eid al-Adha, that's after Hajj. Now, uh, for both of the occasions, we have got different types of traditions and, let's say, different types of cultures. For example, uh, during Eid uh, al-Fitr, ladies at home, uh, they gather like, from all of the places and they start, let's say, last few days of Ramadan in the night, doing lots of cookies and excellent uh, date 
cookies basically and uh, these are oh, going wow. to be served yeah these are going to be served on a time so for us youngsters like when we were really uh, tiny uh, we were finding it difficulty to wait till the aid comes so we can snatch the cookies and they usually keep them high up on the cupboard or something <laughs> like that we cannot reach it so the uh, issue is that uh, the ladies will compete on who's capable to do the cookies that they stand and stay fresh and nice till the whole whole all eight time and the whole days which are almost spreads about three days and uh, who has got the best recipe so uh, Again, part of the culture, as I mentioned before, we are a family-oriented people. So usually we'll get up early in the morning, uh, male will gather together in, in, in let's say, uh, the head of the house. For example, my father or uh, uncle, whoever is around. So then we will move together. First thing that they, we will do is you go and visit all of the sisters. In our, our habits is that, that Male will gather in one place. Then from that locations, we'll go and visit first sister uh, and give her ID. I don't know if you are familiar with the concept of ID. ID is just like giving her some some kind of a, uh, allow m money or any other gift. If you, Allowance, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is goes for the little kids and kids. They love that one. They'll wait to find out how much they manage to collect in that day actually <laughs> and to, to go and buy whatever they feel like or to have fun so we'll move from one house to the next house next house till end of the day we'll gather back again in the head of the family and all of the other girls that, that we visited they'll come and we'll celebrate feast and that, that, that gathering this is usually oh, yeah. is done during a time and this is our customs and our habits unfortunately nowadays uh, this all, all of these kind of let's say customs are fading away, and we replace them with some maybe uh, I don't know uh, Zoom uh, meeting or something like that. Not because of the COVID, mm -hmm. people are becoming a little bit less more scattered, but still we still keep some of the traditions here and there. That goes for Eid al-Adha. Sure. Ad yeah, the other Eid is uh, purely meat uh, because uh, the concept of Hajj after the end of the Hajj you go and sacrifice some kind of an animal, could be a goat or whatever. And because mm -hmm. being a big animal, uh, usually you do share with all of the neighbors and you cook a little bit. So and during that aid, it's lots of meat and lots of food is uh, served to almost all of the people around you. So that will be the meat eating, uh, let's say, uh, celebration, while the Eid al-Fatr will be mainly cookies and sweets, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you yeah. if you came across or you you are aware of or you you came across some of your let's say neighbors if they are from the Middle East most probably they are having mm -hmm. the same habits. <laughs> well, Kaladka, now I really do want some Middle Eastern neighbors next door, and yeah, I do completely agree. Um, all and as a Muslim in the U.S., our family still makes it a point to celebrate these two big holidays every year. No matter whether we have school or office, we'll always take the day off and celebrate with our Muslim community here. And as a matter of fact, 2020 was actually the first year where we had to do a virtual celebration. So although it wasn't the same, it was still a great experience to be able to still see some of my family friends after such a long time. Now moving on to our next question. I know you are very fluent in Arabic, and it's actually really amazing that some of my cousins can even speak both 
Malayalam, my native tongue, and Arabic with such fluency. So do you speak any other languages in, that are from the region, like, for example, Farsi or Hebrew? And how different is Arabic from these um, Middle Eastern languages? Mm. Uh, uh, personally, my, my mother tongue is Arabic. That's why I say, okay, uh, I'm quite uh, comfortable with it, though I studied some other Latin languages. So, but Hebrew or let's say Farsi, I know the language just like the, sa the same way how you can identify or differentiate between, for example, Italian and Spanish, though you don't, let's say, speak the language. You are capable to differentiate which one is what. Uh, there are very much uh, quite common, let's say, factors between, let's say, Persian and Arabic, for example. The alphabet looks the same, we, we, like the script that we write is very much uh, close to each other while between hebrew and arabic no there is no 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 uh, re resemblance in in the alphabet or in the, the script but uh, both all of the languages they kind of originate from the same source uh, we do have the same thick uh, type of uh, let's say letters that are used to make the language uh, most of them are coming from the uh, down part of the throat, like uh, some of the letters, ha, ha, all of these are common oh, yeah. uh, ac across of all of them, including, let's say, the Pharisee and, let's say, the Hebrew. Some small sp few words are actually common, but I'm not, let's say, really fluent in any of those languages, no. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kodka. It's especially important for the audience to know that not everyone in the Middle East does speak the same language. I mean, they're all culturally different. So, for example, in Iran, they'll speak Farsi. In Israel, they'll speak Hebrew. Many par parts, they'll speak Arabic. So I'm really glad that you shared those differences. Uh, everybody, just let's say, when you go and see somebody, you have to greet them by ask, telling them, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Or Assalamu alaikum. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, this is, let's say, Sabah al-Khair, for example. This is a good morning. Or let's say, uh, this is, how are you? Or uh, uh, what are you doing? For example, you go, uh, Well, thank you for that very informative and brief Arabic lesson. And we'll be moving on to our next question, which is, having been to America before to visit us, have you noticed any key differences between the two cultures? Okay, I can summarize this one as if you uh, have a backyard and you simply uh, hire a landscape professional. He'll come and just do things as per a design, as per a plan, as per exact, uh, well-designed setup. This is how I feel that most of the developed countries United States, even Europe, or all of the other countries which are developed, they achieve that, that, that status. And they manage to, let's say, reach a point where everything is as per design, as per, let's say, expectations, which uh, it's clearly easy to navigate, move around. You can anticipate what's there, and it's exactly as, as you expected. Moreover, uh, it is... Uh, Predictable. Most of the things are predictable. You know what, what's coming next. If I'll do one, two, three, it, the four will come immediately because systems are in place and uh, you don't have to think about or let's say uh, beat your head to understand what's going on. Uh, 
While in, in yeah. our, let's say, areas, uh, particularly most of the developing countries, it's just like if you are trying to do it on your own, like do it yourself, kind of a garden business. It comes randomly, like uh, let's say it's still evolving and developing, but you didn't put anybody who is specialized to put the systems in places. So it's kind of, let's say, uh, ad hoc here and there. no. And that kind of, let's say, difference, I felt it a lot. Of course, I'm not saying that, let's say, it's bad or it is uh, good here and there. But I feel that when it's too much uh, uh, systematic, you feel bored. While when it is, oh, yeah. when it is, let's say, a little bit random, you, 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 you don't know what to expect. Sometimes something works, sometimes doesn't work. You'll end up with lots of adventures. Mm -hmm. So I feel that, let's say, <laughs> this part of the world will be the, bare, uh, the, the area where you actually can enjoy unexpected things. And you shouldn't take it uh, with lots of pressure. Just take it easy and things will go smooth. You don't have to worry about it. So that's how I feel the difference between this part of the world and uh, states or any other part of Europe, basically. Wow, what a unique and interesting perspective that you brought up. And finally, our last question. If someone wanted to travel anywhere in the Middle East, what advice or tips would you give them? Uh, uh, first thing I would like them to, let's say, go and learn a little bit, as much as they can, from whatever resources about the area, their culture, their habits, so they don't step on a territory which uh, is not, let's say, uh, common to you. For example, uh, Middle East is a conservative, let's say, type of uh, places, uh, mm -hmm. which is a little bit different from Europe or states or any other countries where you can easily move and mingle with everybody. No, Nobody, let's say, uh, objects on that. So the moment you offend somebody by simply stepping into his uh, private area, which is home uh, between uh, brothers, sisters, we, we have got a male-female segregation a lot. So pay attention to this. Try to understand the culture a little bit a lot. Then you go ahead mm -hmm. and, let's say, uh, visit the place so you understand what to expect, what not to expect. Second part, which I would like everybody to do, is uh, don't try to go with a tour, plan tour type of stuff, because you will miss a lot in Iraq. This kind of countries, as I mentioned before, because it's not predictable. So you go and pick up a guided tour, no? you'll end up with maybe disappointment because you start now judging it as per your standards over there. And you come to this part of the world, uh, standards are a bit different. Maybe they have got fair enough, let's say, some of them. But if you try to do it on your own, you'll discover amazing things that you'll never be able to see it with anybody else. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess, let's say, uh, this uh, next step would be, let's say, pick up a spot where it's crowded. Like, like, for example, this is what I do even in other places, like in Kashmir or other parts of India. I don't go for a posh area. To explore, yeah, of course you can do that. But if I want to explore the country and understand the culture and let's say uh, get a little bit more than the usual and traditional type of let's say uh, tour in a place, I'll go and see the common people, how they are going by day day. Means get up early morning, for example. I'll see people where they go and get their milk, their bread their breakfast, and so on. These are the joints where you get the best food available in that area. There is no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So if you go to a restaurant... Even in India, it's like that. Yeah. Th that's where you should go. You should simply 
let's say, see common people, how they are going day by day, and you'll, you'll find, you'll discover so many beautiful things. So I usually advise people to go somewhere downtown, don't go in uh, remote areas and so on. And over there, you'll find out few joints where you can uh, get excellent things, excellent food. And at the same time, uh, some places you cannot reach because uh, it's, it's hard to navigate. Being in a foreign country is a little bit harder. So if you by any chance manage to get somebody by a friend or somebody that recommended, if you manage to get somebody from local native, no, you will feel, particularly mm -hmm. in the Middle East, people are so generous and welcoming. Means if they'll accept you in their home uh, and you see their daily life, that experience, you don't see it anywhere else in any tour ever that you can even imagine. So oh, go yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously that would just be an amazing experience. Anyway, fantastic, Khalidka. Thank you for coming in and sharing your experiences with us. Yeah, yeah. You are most welcome. Actually, I wish oh, okay. that I, I could have, let's say, uh, have enough time just to, let's say, sit with you instead of, let's say, being on the phone. That will be, let's say, far away better. As a matter of fact, you are completely correct on that. And just being clear, I'm sure your insightful responses have definitely motivated listeners to either want to go to a country in the region or even just want to learn more about it. And Honestly, it has definitely intrigued me to travel more. So thank you again, and really appreciate you taking the time to share this with our audience. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Let me sign off with a quote, this one from Dr. Stephen Covey. Live your life by a compass, not a clock. Or in Arabic, Stay tuned for our coming episodes, because guess what? To all those Desi people out there, we got the South Asian region next. So keep loving culture and keep loving the diversity of our community.